1: This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called Something Beautiful for God, discussing what the Bible says about humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy? We're going to be taking a look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 this morning. We're going to talk today about the covenantal blessing of a Christian family. We see that specifically worked out in this part of the text as we give thanks to God for it. So would you give your attention along with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 2 Timothy chapter 1 starts a letter that is specifically written to this son of Paul in the faith, Timothy, a preacher. This is a standard letter opening, though, which indicates that he's writing to someone in particular, but he expects to be overheard. Indeed, that's Paul's intention. And this should make sense to us in how we read these first couple of verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that's in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, as you read epistles, you probably recognize That is the way that Paul usually opens up his letters as he writes to various churches, which tells us that as he's writing to Timothy, this personal letter, he intends, because of this more exalted formal opening, he intends this to be read by other people in the church, and that's why we have the privilege of being able to read it today. This should make sense to us that this opening indicates that There's a specific reference, a specific person he's writing to, but he expects more people to listen, to hear. Now, we don't write letter openings like they did at the time of Paul, but we can still understand that this sort of formal, maybe more exalted way of opening a letter indicates that this should be overheard, but heard and read and taken to heart by more people than just Timothy. Now, if I were to write a letter and it would just start like this, just Bear with me for a second. If I were to start a letter like this. Derek Bukema, a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ by the will of God and the call of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, according to the promise of life that comes by being grounded in Christ and growing in Christ, to Aubrey, my wife, according to the laws of God and man, grace to you and peace. Now, if you heard that, you'd be like, he probably intends other people other than just Aubrey to read that letter. He intends to be overheard. So Paul is writing to Timothy, but he expects it to be read by other people, by other churches, by other Christians. And it's why it's a part of our Bible. And this is important on a day like today. Paul speaks specifically to Timothy about his family and is grateful for Timothy's mom and grandma. And today we're going to be talking about the covenantal blessing of being a part of a Christian family. And the passage will be the one that we just heard read. And you might think, well, I'm a single person, so this doesn't apply to me. Or perhaps I'm someone who is older. I've lost my mother, so this isn't for me. Or perhaps you wanted to have children but never could. Or a million other things that might make you reticent to hear a sermon on a Mother's Day. And I would like to say that this more exalted, formal opening to a personal letter indicates that this message is for you and for me and for all of us, and I'm glad that all of us are here, and I see you, and I'm glad that we're together. This message is what helps us to balance what we said last week in our time together and what continues to be true, that the primacy, the thing that is of first importance for every single Christian is the family of God, the church, And that's important to remember today. And it's also important for us to remember that God gives us families as good gifts. God created the family. He made it good. It's an important institution, one of the most important institutions on the entire face of the earth. It's simply not primary. But in saying that God's family is primary and the natural family is secondary, we don't diminish the family, we just put it in its proper place. And today, it's good for us to consider the proper place and call of the family, and it's good for us to think about what a blessing Christian families are, incredible blessings. I used to think, as I thought about my own family, that I did not have a testimony that was cool. I did not have a testimony that was interesting. I did not have a testimony that was perhaps even maybe worth saying. Let me explain what I meant. I remember the first time I can recall somebody saying a testimony. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody give their testimony before. I love hearing people give their testimony, but I remember the first time it ever happened to me. I had gone along with my family to the Milwaukee Rescue Mission, a homeless shelter in Milwaukee. It, I was in middle school, so I was sixth, seventh, eighth grade or so, and uh, we were going there on Thanksgiving Day to serve Thanksgiving meals to the homeless residents of the Milwaukee Rescue Mission. After we served meals to all of them, we were going to have our family Thanksgiving in the cafeteria where all of the homeless individuals ate. But before there was to be a meal, the practice of the Milwaukee Rescue Mission is that every person that comes for a meal has to hear a sermon first. I think it's a good practice and God has blessed it, and many people have come to faith through this wonderful ministry. Their executive director has come here and preached on a number of occasions. Pat Vanderberg, it's a great, great ministry, the Milwaukee Rescue Mission. And on this particular Thanksgiving day, before we were going to be serving this meal, there was a sermon for everyone that was there for a Thanksgiving dinner, and the sermon on this particular day was accompanied by a testimony a testimony of somebody who had come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in a dramatic way. And he told a story. He talked about how he grew up he became a drug user and a gang banger. He talked about how he heard the gospel message and the Lord convicted him and in a moment changed his heart, called him to repentance, made him a believer, and he said, as soon as I gave my life over to Jesus, I had this dramatic transformation. I had no more desire to be a part of that life I was once a part of. I had no more desire for drugs. I had no more desire for all of the sinful cravings of the flesh that had characterized my life before coming to the Lord Jesus. He said, this is what God has done in my life, making me a Christian. And you, he said, you should have a testimony as well. You should be able to speak of that one moment that God changed your life and called you out of darkness and into life. And I walked out of that testimony and I was scared because I did not have that kind of testimony. I didn't have a specific moment that I could point to. And I talked to my parents about it afterwards. I was like, I don't remember not being a Christian. Does that mean I'm not really a Christian? Because I don't have this specific moment. I don't have this specific point that I can reference. And they said, no, it's all right, Derek. You're a Christian. Don't worry about it. Some people grow up in Christian families and don't have dramatic turning points. And that doesn't mean you're not a Christian it just means that your testimony is different from this man's testimony, and I believed them, but I thought, at least for a while in middle school, that what I had to share was boring or uninteresting or perhaps not worthy of giving thanks to God for because I didn't have a dramatic moment where I turned from sin and was brought from, from like darkness into light. I thought, either I'm in trouble or I've just got a boring story, but here's the thing. Whether God has gotten a hold of you dramatically like he did Paul or maybe you can't remember the time where you did not believe like Timothy or maybe you're somewhere in between, today is a reason to give thanks to God. We can give thanks to God when conversions to the Lord Jesus Christ are dramatic and can direct us to a specific point in time. But look at our text today, what Paul is thankful for. Paul, whose testimony that Jesus appeared to him and saved him dramatically. Paul thanks God for the covenantal blessing of the family that Timothy was raised in. Because it's a covenantal blessing to have a Christian family. Paul begins the letter like he does almost every letter, giving thanks. In verse 3, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, day and night. Paul thanks God for Timothy and he prays for him and he remembers the tears that Timothy has shed and he longs to see him and then he thanks God for something in particular. He thanks God for the faith that Timothy has, for the sincere faith that Timothy has, and for the fact that that faith has come to him from a believing grandmother and a believing mother. And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Something Beautiful for God, discussing humanity, sexuality, marriage, and procreation. Verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. I think that's really beautiful. Paul's giving thanks for a faith that dwells in a grandma and then a mom and then a son this has been important for me this section of scripture in particular in the light of what i told you just a couple minutes ago at times where i was nervous about my own testimony of faith because i couldn't point to a specific moment i've been thankful for second timothy 1 3 through 7 paul has the conversion story right I mean, there are very few people in the history of the church that have had a conversion to Christ Jesus as dramatic as the Apostle Paul. As Saul, who was walking on the road to Damascus and saw the resurrected and glorified Lord Jesus, who appeared to him and so dramatically changed his life that the greatest opponent of the Christian church became the greatest evangelist for the cause of Christ in his church. And yet Paul does not expect that every conversion will be like his own. Paul does not expect that every person will be able to have an encounter with the glorified, resurrected Lord Jesus who appears visibly and speaks a word audibly to them and brings them from death to life like he does with Paul. Paul gives thanks that Timothy's grandmother and mother got saved and then passed that along to their son. We need to recognize and give thanks to God for what people who come to Jesus later in life recognize. Man, I'd have given anything, anything to have been raised in the kind of context you were raised in. Since that moment in middle school, several people who've had dramatic testimonies have come to me and said, man, what I wouldn't give to have avoided all of that sin and all of that brokenness and all of that loss. If I had just been raised like you with a mom and a dad who told you about Jesus, and I could have skipped all of the terrible parts that I that I reject and regret. Paul gives thanks for this family that was able to tell Timothy about Jesus. So should we. I was speaking to missionaries about ten years ago, PCA missionaries in Utah, they planted a church in Salt Lake City. They noted at the time where I was talking to these two missionaries that in Utah less than at that time less than three percent of the population was evangelical Christian. They told me fewer evangelical Christians dwell in Utah than do Egypt. They told me, you know, people think that you have to cross the whole world to be a missionary of the gospel. Turns out you just might need to move to the southwest U.S. The missionary that I was talking to said that he'd been serving for a long time at this church that he had planted. And that for a very long time, the church was made up entirely of converts people that had come to faith in Jesus later on in their life. And then he said with joy, now after some time, one of the converts, a young man, met another one of the converts, a young woman, and they got married. And we had years into the life of our church, our first infant baptism. And as he talked about that, he started to cry. He said, all of you pastors tend to Miss the covenantal blessing of being able to see a child that is brought before the Lord and the congregation and a father and a mother that make vows to raise this child in the faith. And he cried as he talked about it. He said, one of the discouragements that our church has is... There's not a covenantal legacy. And so I had to tell them, he told me, so I just had to tell them about a month ago. He said, just think about this. He was talking in an adult Sunday school class. He said, when you came to faith, there was no covenantal legacy within the church. He said, now there are 50 children that are meeting in Sunday school right now that are being raised to know the Lord. That is a blessing. And he talked about it and he cried. That has had a substantial impact on my heart and on my life. It is an incredible blessing to be in a family wherein the faith has passed from one generation to another. And so today is an opportunity to give thanks. If you are a part of a family where the faith was passed down to you, where your parents were intentional enough to tell you about Jesus, you should give thanks. Give thanks to God if you have a mother or a grandmother like Eunice or Lois Give thanks to God for them and tell them that you thank God for them because it is a gift to be a part of a family where the gospel is passed down from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. It is a covenantal blessing and we should rejoice when we see it. And let's also think about these women. Let's also think about Timothy's mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois. Let's think about what wonderful ladies these were. Raising their children to follow Jesus in a time of persecution. Think about it. It wasn't very long in the life of the church until a great persecution came. Saul started the great persecution that existed in Jerusalem pretty quickly. The Jewish religious leaders were persecuting followers of the way, followers of Jesus were persecuting Christians. Saul himself was giving approval at the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr, the first one who was a witness after Jesus onto the point of death, a witness to Christ's resurrection. Very quickly, there was intense persecution. Very quickly, if you were going to be a follower of Jesus, your life was going to be something that you would need to at least be willing to give up, to forfeit. Think about the fact that Lois and Eunice recognized all the dangers and still said, Hey, little Timothy... As little Timothy is raised, as he becomes a man, what's of first importance is that he knows Jesus even if this costs us his life. Even if this costs us our son and our grandson, we are going to raise little Timothy to be a Christian. Even if that means we have to give him away to all the parents who are here, to all the moms, to all the grandmas, to every, every parent Are you willing to raise children who are going to be distinct, even if it means that you might need to give them away? Are you raising children who will be Christians? Are you raising those who are willing to be distinct for the cause of Christ and his glory and for the benefit of the church? Are you taking pains to ensure that the faith that dwells in you has passed along to your children? Because I've got to say it plain. The best thing that you can give to your kids is your own faith. The best thing that you can give to your children is for them to see that you trust in Jesus. The best thing that you members of this Christian family can give to other Christian members is For them to see that you really and truly love Jesus. The best gift that you can give to any child that is offered by a mom and a dad in baptism is for you to be faithful to the vows that you make each time that happens, to pray for them, to tell them about Jesus, to show them Jesus through your word and example. This is the best thing that you can give to any child. This is more important than setting them up for success or giving your child or any child a good education. As important as that is, it's even more important than your time with them or your affection for them, which is of incredible importance. I'm not diminishing that. The most important thing that you can give to them is Jesus, is to tell them about Jesus. And let me tell you this morning in your hearing that I am thankful for my own mother in this regard. This is one way where she excelled. She was careful in everything. And the goal in everything was for us to know about Jesus. For her children to know and trust and serve Jesus. Let me give you a couple of examples of how careful my mom was. We would walk by, you know, one of those wishing wells in the mall and want to toss coins in, you know, those places in the mall where you can toss coins. And we asked all the time. We were never allowed to toss coins into a wishing well. And we would say, why, mom? And she's like, well, it's bad stewardship. We want to save our coins and use them for the kingdom of God. But also, God answers prayer. The universe doesn't answer wishes, and so we're not going to toss coins into a wishing well. Now, if you've tossed coins into a wishing well, I don't think that you're trying to teach bad stewardship, right? Or try to teach your children that it's not about prayer, it's about the universe granting wishes. I'm just telling you the way that our family operated because this was one of the intentional ways that my mom wanted for us to sort of live. It's not about wishes. You should pray and you should save and invest that quarter you were about to throw into that wishing well right there. It might bring a return, you know, someday. Put it in Doge or something like that and you might get 15. Apparently most of you haven't heard about Dogecoin. So, uh, We couldn't throw coins into wishing wells. But there was also persistence in trusting Jesus evident in other ways. We prayed for neighbors who weren't Christians or a part of the church. As I was considering what profession I would occupy someday, I wanted to be a doctor. I wrote my sophomore year future profession paper about how I was going to be a heart surgeon. And My mom, persistent as she was, she was like, you could be a missionary doctor. And then I was like, you know what? I want to give up on the doctor thing. I'm going to, I'm going to drive a truck. I was very captive by the like 51 cent a mile thing that was put on the back of trucks. And I thought, that doesn't sound too bad. I'd like to do that for my life. And my mom said, you could be a missionary truck driver. And every time, every time I talked about what I wanted to do or be sometime, my mom would redirect it to the mission field. And well, here I am now, not a truck driver, not a doctor, but a, a minister of the gospel. Thank you for that. <laughs> Praise God. And a lot of it's because, you know, my mom is a real Christian. I have a good friend. And he, uh, he had his pastoral anniversary two weeks ago. His name is Walter Carter. He, uh, and he said, you know what? He told the church. I didn't, I didn't know where he was going with this. He's like, my mom is a drug addict. She drug us to this church, and she drug us to that church. She was just always dragging us to this and that church. We always had to go to church events because she wanted for us to be Christians. That's the best thing. The best thing a mom can give a child. It's the best thing a parent can give a child. Faith in Jesus. Dragging them to this church event and that one. Moms and dads, the most important thing that you can give to your children is to teach them to know and love Jesus. And don't miss this, grandparents, either. Notice how Paul references Lois and Eunice. Eunice and Lois, the mother and the grandmother. Don't think, grandparents, that your responsibility is just to spoil the grandkids and give them a bunch of candy and send them home. Although we parents, we love that. You know, we love when our kids are sugared up and then given to us for the responsibility of putting them to bed. And there's some, you know, you got to enjoy that, grandparents. I think it's good if you do all that sort of thing. But don't think that that's the sum total of your responsibility is grandparents or nieces or nephews. Don't think it's just to To have fun or to spoil or to play games. All those things are wonderful. But pray. Pray. Recognize that you're a part of the covenantal blessing of following after the Lord Jesus. Like I said at the beginning, an exalted formal greeting reminds us that the word that goes here is to Timothy indeed, but needs to be overheard and applied more broadly by the church. And so that reminder is this, that every person who's a part of this congregation or who trusts in Jesus and can hear my voice right now, we're all called to the same covenantal responsibility being spiritual moms and dads to all of the children that are growing up within this congregation to pray for them that they might know and trust and follow jesus to give of ourselves to spend time with them
0: you've been listening to today's message from pastor Derek bukema to learn more about orland park christian Reformed church listen to past programs and to give a gift to support our work preaching the bible on am 1160 hope for your life visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema,
1: and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, may God bless you.